0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire show. I am your host, Terrell Sumter. Guys, I'm very grateful, thankful, and graceful to be here yet another day that's never a promise. Guys, I want you to take some time, you know, before we start today's show. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to sit up. I want you to breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. I want you to reflect on just the good times, maybe around good people. And I want you to just soak it in for a little bit. Now I want you to open. Despite the times that we may be living in right now, I want you to know that you're not alone. This pandemic can only help us grow stronger. This pandemic can only help us realize and see what's really important to really appreciate life and appreciate the moments, to appreciate the people that inspire us. So what I want you all to take some time to do, I want you to take some time to take your notepads out, your pens out, because I got a very, very special guest on my show. I mean, one of the most creative people of our time, man, or so like that. I got a chance to really, really speak with this individual right before the show. And I mean, just a great, great guy. and I'm happy to share his story with you all today. Um, this guy's is an artist, an activist, a technologist, and fu- futurist. <laughs> He's a virtual reality and visual effect pioneer on a mission to make society more inclusive, fair, and sustainable. Guys, I want to introduce you to my guy coming all the way from Los Angeles, California, Mr. Ali Rankin. Ali, welcome to the show today, man. Thanks a lot, Terrell. It's great to be here. Really appreciate you having me on. Indeed, indeed. Hey, Ali, man, I just really want you to give us a background on you, man.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm, I'm originally from New Zealand. Um, I, I grew up fascinated by, you know, all sorts of different kinds of creativity. I was a, you know, actually the first time I ever came to North America, I was a boy soprano singing with the this choir that toured to, uh, <laughs> to the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, and I was writing and drawing and doing, doing art and reading a lot of science fiction and got really obsessed with um, science fiction and especially with, with virtual reality. So, even from like, as a teenager, I was sort of dreaming about telling stories in VR um, I had a, had a hand-me-down Atari 800XL, this, this old, old school style computer that you plug into the TV and the, and the games were recorded on old floppy disks and I taught myself how to program on that. Um, that sort of led me into, uh, into studying computer science at, at college and, um, and I got really fascinated by artificial intelligence uh, yeah. before, before anybody had really heard of it. So back in the 90s I was kind of um, learning how to use computers to to think for themselves or teaching computers to think for themselves um, and that sort of through a series of, of coincidences led me into the film industry um, building brains for orcs and elves and, and choreographing battle scenes, it's in the Lord of the Rings and then um, yeah that that sort of sparked a 20-year career Um, but in the last sort of five years, I finally got to focus in on making stuff in VR and virtual reality, which has sort of been my dream since I was a teenager.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then, yeah, I guess about eight years ago, I had a bit of a, had a bit of a Eureka moment, um, and realized that, you know, a lot of, a lot of my success is based on the luck that I have had, you know, the luck of being born in a, in a first world country, the luck of being born a straight white man, the luck of, you know, the connections that I've made. And I think, actually, I'll I'll go back to something that you were saying in your introduction about, you know, how this, um, this pandemic can make us stronger. What I what I realized is that every single bad thing that has happened to me in my life was necessary to get me to where I am right now. So, you know, I look at what's going on around us right now in this, this this COVID crisis. And I think, you know, every good thing that humans do from this point on required this pandemic to
0: enable it. Yeah, Dave, man, that's amazing. I love that. So what was it? What was fascinating about just the science fiction, man? What was that you really, really triggered you to say, man, I love this? And also about artificial intelligence for those who may not be familiar with it.
1: For sure. Yeah, I think to me, um, the science fiction was really an escapism thing when I was a kid. You know, I grew up in a, in a poor neighborhood. I um, um, had a bit of a, I grew up just uh, me and my dad and my sister, um, sort of in a broken family of sorts. And um, yeah, I think I liked that, you know, when, when I couldn't have things in the real world, I couldn't travel, I couldn't um, you know, have access to, to, to wealth and the, the lifestyle I dreamed of science fiction kind of gave me a way to escape, um, and to imagine a bigger sort of universe that I might get to explore. Um, so I think, yeah, that was, that was where I kind of got into that. And then, and then artificial intelligence, um, you know, that's, it's actually been around for, um, for thirty or forty years, I don't, I don't know when the first sort of artificial intelligence um, research started, but you know, people have um, have done a lot of sort of research at, at universities and colleges around the world, thinking how do how does intelligence actually exist in the human brain, and we still don't really understand that. Um, but there are certain things that you can, you know, you look at the behavior of ants and bees, and you can kind of see that. While individually, they're not very smart, collectively, they're able to achieve quite sophisticated behavior. So those sort of things have inspired researchers to say, well, maybe we can make computer systems that are, you know, by having lots of not necessarily very smart elements combined together in a complex system, we can simulate intelligence. And we're still a long way away from being able to simulate what they call general intelligence where you would have a computer that can, you know, be put into a situation and just figure it out for themselves in the same way that a human can, right? We're, we're really good at um, figuring things out, like looking at our, our surroundings and, and teaching ourselves with you know, based on very little knowledge, but a computer needs to kind of be trained to do a particular kind of thing. So most of the AI that we talk about these days is, you know, it's been trained to do something very specific. I got really fascinated with this kind of um, AI called genetic algorithms.
0: Okay,
1: And that's this, that's this crazy way of, um, <laughs> it's basically trying to use the, the system of evolution inside a computer to evolve computer programs. So you come up with a way of representing a computer program as like a genetic sequence. And then you try running that program and see what it does. And most of those are going to do absolutely nothing, or they're going to, you know, break something or, but every now and again, there might be one or two of them that kind of do something similar to what you're trying to get it to do. So then you pick out those ones and you breed them together. So you take their genetic sequence and you merge them together, wow. and add some, some mutations just like mm. in, in real evolution mm. and then you make a whole new generation and you try all of those ones out. And so after, you know, maybe a hundred generations, you, you have evolved from nothing this computer program that might actually do something useful.
0: Man, that's amazing who introduced you to the space man because you you're pretty knowledgeable on 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 this man so who introduced you to this and how did film come about
1: yeah so i was just reading the prospectus of the of the computer science department at my university and what university was that it was the university of auckland in new zealand um it's uh, new zealand's biggest city they're actually they're actually just going into lockdown again today Um, they've had, they've gone a hundred days without a COVID case and then they had some community spread. So they've locked the whole city down. Um, again, anyway, I digress. So yeah, at the university of Auckland turns out, I had no idea before I started there that they had like this, this artificial intelligence, um, faculty in the, in the computer science department. I was, I was really honestly just there because I didn't want to get a job yet. And I thought I should keep on studying. Um, and yeah, I was reading through the programs that they had and, and artificial intelligence as it, it just my, my sci-fi mind was like, Ooh, that sounds cool. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, it was cool. And it, it sort of, you know, it taught me a way of thinking about problem solving that I think has really helped me in my career. And same thing with getting into the film industry, you know, it turned out that um, when Peter Jackson was making the Lord of the Rings, they were inventing this whole new um, technology to use artificial intelligence to do the big battle scenes, because you can't possibly have 250,000 people dressed up as orcs and elves. Hmm. Um, So in order to do these big battle sequences, we had to do that in, in the computer somehow. So you take... Um, you take the same sort of thinking. It's like, okay, if I was, a, if I was an orc, what would I do? I'm, I'm, in, I'm going into battle. I want to look around and see if there's an elf. And if I see some elves, I'm going to run towards them and swing my sword and axe or axe at them. Um, so yeah, it, was, it, it turned out to be a completely unexpected uh, segue.
0: What was, what was, man, tell us about that, though. What was the process like? Like, how did you, how did you form that relationship with Peter Jackson and the production team? And how did that come about of you being a main part of putting this big uh, movie together, man? There's so many young teens who was into this um, sci-fi, fiction, creative work, you know, around the world. So tell us about that, man. We're love to hear Yeah, absolutely. Um Again, I, I, I'm going to have to say a lot
1: of it was luck. You know, I, I did do this, this artificial intelligence stuff at university, I did do some computer graphics stuff at university, um, but what really gave me that big break was that I knew somebody through an electronic music mailing list and she was having lunch one day with the guy that was writing that software. And he was saying, hey, it's, it's impossible to find anybody that knows anything about artificial intelligence. And she said, well, you should talk to my friend, Ollie. And <laughs> one thing led to another. Um, so, you know, obviously, be lucky is, is not a very good piece of advice to people. But I think, I think the, the, the lesson is that, you know, you need to embrace the luck that, that is presented to you. You know, a lot of times um, people are afraid to, to take an opportunity or to take a risk. Um, and I think you just need to see every every opportunity as a
0: potential door opening up to a whole new life. So yeah, that's amazing, man. So the friend was able to put that together. The power of connection, right? Absolutely. But I also read that you had also took the time to put to send resumes, and you know. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that, man. Like you know that like how that you get resumes and the piles with other other people's yeah. resumes of trying to get some type of work into this film. Exactly.
1: So, you know, obviously everybody in the world wanted to work on The Lord of the Rings. And I, I because I didn't think that artificial intelligence would have any part to play in it, when I applied, I actually removed any mention of artificial intelligence from my resume because I thought I need to craft my resume to be exactly what they're looking for. And I thought they were looking for people who, you know, had computer graphics experience. And I'd done some some studies in computer graphics. I thought that would make me um, a, an attractive candidate. But they were they were receiving hundreds of resumes a day. You know, at, at one point, other visual, When once I was working there at one point, other visual effects companies were asking um, Weta, which was the company I, I ended up working for. Um, other visual effects companies were asking them if they could see the resumes of people that they were <laughs> declining to hire.
0: Yeah. Um, what led you yeah, to be so persistent, man? What led you to be persistent throughout this process to being able to work, work on this film?
1: Um, yeah, I think um when I look back on the on myself in my like early twenties, I was I had a lot of unjustified self-confidence. Um <laughs> you know, I think I've I've matured a lot more and I, you know, I'm I now have more um more justification for feeling confident in the things that I am and confident in, but also I've I've never lost that imposter syndrome, that feeling that, you know, people are gonna find out that I'm not really um as good as I as I am. Um, but, you know, back then I hadn't really I hadn't really discovered that yet. I guess you might say I had a little bit of the Dunning Kruger effect, which is that idea that, you know, if you don't know enough about something, you might think you're you know a lot more than you really do. And yeah. it's also when you start to to learn that you realize how little you actually know. I, I had that kind of, you know, that arrogance of the, the teenager, early 20-somethings, um, kind of going into it thinking that, you know, that believing all of the good stuff my dad had told me about how smart I was and how I could do anything that I wanted to.
0: Um, so your dad was a, he was a big support?
1: Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily put it in those words. Um he definitely he definitely had big ambitions for me and he and he pushed me very hard. So, you know, in that in that regard, I mean again, I um I wouldn't be where I am today without um, without the the push that he gave me.
0: Right on, right on. That's amazing. So now lot of the Rings came about, man. What was the feeling like? Like what what was the process like of, of really help putting this film together?
1: Yeah, so I was I think I was the second person hired to join that particular team working on the big battle scenes. You um, was?
0: That's impressive, yeah. man. Um,
1: okay. Yeah, the, there were just three of us working together on it initially. And I started on the same day they started shooting the, the movies. Um, and we spent the next sort of year and a half just experimenting, doing R&D, trying to figure out what can we do? How do we, you know, what sort of awareness do we need to give these virtual characters? What sort of tools should we be using to, to control their behavior? How do, we, how do we get them to work as a, as a army together? How do we give them instructions that they can follow? Um, we, yeah, we spent a year and a half sort of doing this research and then um, we spent the next sort of six months really, really plowing ahead full steam doing the shots for the first movie um, and by that stage you know I think the team grew to probably 10 or 12 people um, for the first movie um, and I think the whole company you know when I started there were like 50 people when I left there were 500 people um, and then you know now I think they've had over 2,000 people working there at the same time at some times. and so you was a part of that growth yeah that's amazing so that was- man And that was really inspiring. Like one of the, you know, that's kind of one of the golden ages of my career where Uh, every day you go into work and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy when everybody is, is talented and everybody has a sort of respect for each other's ability and, and nobody knows if you're actually going to be able to pull off what you're trying to do. But yeah, that was, it was an amazing feeling of sort of energy and creativity
0: and, Indeed. So did you see the, the vision of seeing it was going to blow up to be as big as it is today? Yeah. Yeah. We,
1: we were very lucky in those early days. Something that's, that's not common. Um, when um, you know, When you're making a movie, normally the people involved in the visual effects don't get to see anything of it until it's been fully filmed and edited or, and they're, you know, starting to do the post-production. But because we were working for Peter Jackson's company and because he was coming into our studio every day to watch what they'd filmed that day, we got to go in and sit down in the theater and watch every day. If we wanted to, we could watch what they'd filmed that day. And we got to see some of those scenes, some of those really iconic scenes. I remember, Not sure how how well you you know the the characters, but there's a scene where um, where Sean Bean's character Boromir uh, dies, and I remember all of us in the screening room just like oh, lumps in our throat, <laughs> moistened
0: eyes, We're like oh man, yeah, we we knew that it was we knew that it was gonna be big. That's amazing, man. What was that conversation like with um? With Peter Jackson, you know, what was the conversation like when you first got introduced to him, and how well did the relationship build after that? So yeah, I you know I didn't work with him on a daily basis,
1: but he would um, he would come in and review our work regularly. So I got to I got to um, deal with him quite often, um, and he's you know he's a very inspiring creator to to watch work because he had every single scene of, the, of all three movies in his head the whole time. <laughs> he, knew, he knew exactly how he wanted it all to play out. And you could start a conversation with him about a very, very, very specific part of a very tiny little scene. And he would be able to switch his head over to talk about exactly that and, and give you his, his vision and feedback. So yeah, that was,
0: that was very impressive. Did you enjoy most about creating this film?
1: Um, what I enjoyed, I think what I've always enjoyed most is, um, doing things that have never been done before. And, you know, that was, it was really inspiring to go from not knowing if we were going to be able to do this to actually doing it, um, <laughs> being able to look back on something that you've done and, you know, remember that whole sort of process that led to it. Um, and sort of, yeah, feeling like you've invented something or been part of a team that's invented something new is, is really, really inspiring. So often in the, in the visual effects industry since then, my job, you know, wasn't to invent something new. It was to do something that had already been done, but to do it faster and cheaper. And that's just not as inspiring. You, you know, it's harder to, to get yourself
0: enthusiastic in the morning to, uh, to save money. Indeed, indeed, man i got you know some younger listeners listening right now who's really on a similar path man um want to get into film you know mm-hmm. and uh very creative but may not have they may not they may feel like they don't have enough they may feel like they don't have the support um what's the why is it so important to do things you've never done before that's a great question.
1: Yeah, because until you've done something for the first time, it might seem impossible. But as soon as you do something for the first time, you start to, to sort of demystify it for yourself. You break down that impossibility barrier. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my, my advice to any of your young listeners is, that there's actually nothing stopping them. You know, they're, they all probably have a smartphone in their, in their pocket. They can, they can start filming things right away. Um, there's free software that they can download. Like Blender is a, is an amazingly powerful computer graphics program that you can just download for free, completely for free. It's open source. There are tutorials on, on YouTube, um, and on the, on the Blender website. So, you know, not only do you kind of break down that, that fear that you can't do something, but as soon as you do it, you start to learn what you're good at, you know, what your capabilities are. You start, you start having ideas about how you can take what other people have done and take it to a new level. So, yeah, I think there's, there's absolutely no substitute for, for doing what you want to do. Um, and I think anybody who is intimidated to get into to doing what they want to do, they shouldn't think about, oh, I, you know, I need to go to some special school or I need to get some particular
0: job. They should just start doing it right away. Hey, I love that, man. Thank you for sharing. What was next after creating this film, man? And what was it next for you? So after that, I thought, you know what? I'm done with the visual
1: effects industry. I, the <laughs> Why is that, though? I think I, again. I still had a little bit of that sort of arrogance to me, and I thought, you know, I've, I've, how could I possibly do anything better than, than Lord of the Rings? I, you know, I had this sort of mentality that I had already peaked, and and now I needed to find some some other area to um, to succeed in. Um, so I moved to Tokyo. Nice. Um, I, yeah. I, uh, moved to Tokyo. I started playing in a Japanese reggae band. Okay. Um, made some drum and bass music for snowboarding videos, and I tried to tried to figure out how to make a career as a as a musician, or as a as a model and actor. Um, <clears throat> didn't have a lot of success in any of that. Um, and while I was there, one of my friends was working on the Matrix sequels. Okay. And said hey, there's this particular problem that we need to figure out to to finish these the Matrix sequels. Um, You know, would you be interested in coming and helping us out with that? And uh, I mean, how could I say no? The Matrix is still one of the, you know, one of my top 10 films of all time. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, that, that was an opportunity that, again, that I just couldn't turn down. So I went and um, went to the Bay Area and worked on the, the Matrix film, uh, The Matrix Revolutions. Um, then, I, then I went to Europe and spent several years in Europe. Um, and by that point, I kind of I acknowledged to myself that, okay, I, I guess I'm a visual effects guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, I love it, man. So you just kept inclining, really. One door open, you just kept knocking it down. You went from LA to going in to Tokyo and the Matrix. So tell us about this process, man, working with the Matrix. I know I know working like alongside of um, Kenny Reeves and uh, who was it, Samuel Jackson, I believe? Was uh, Lawrence it? Fishburne. No, oh, no, Lawrence Fishburne, I always get yeah. them too. They both phenomenal, phenomenal actors. Tell us that process, man, like, um, and, and, and everything. And what was challenging about this film here? Yeah, so
1: um, so the the part of the Matrix Revolutions that I worked on was again I don't I don't know if you or your your listeners are, are familiar with the, the film that much, but there there are these kind of robot squid um, villains that are you know um, one of the main uh, sort of manifestations of the bad guys in in those films and. They're trying to attack the base where the last remnants of human civilization are hiding out. And, um, and at a certain point, they kind of break through the dome and form into this kind of um, swarm almost sort of serpent like swarm. So it's, it's kind of like when you see, you know, flocks of birds that all move in unison or swarms of fish, schools of fish that move in unison. We were, we were inspired by those kind of real world um, sort of phenomena. And we were trying to, to recreate that out of a bunch of tentacled robots. Um, <laughs> But it was interesting. I mean, obviously, there's like an amazing creative challenge to, to recreate that visual kind of characteristic. But then there's also the logistical challenge of this movie comes out on this particular day, and <laughs> it actually it actually takes a long time for every single individual frame that makes up the movie to be rendered. So rendering is what it what, uh, what it's called when you take. Uh, a a virtual 3D representation of a scene and you turn it into a sequence of images that make up the movie. So each one of those images is not just one render, but it might be a 100 renders because, you know, there's a render of one robot and there's a render of the dome and there's a render of the, the dust and smoke and there's a render of the machine gun fire. And then all of these renders need to be combined into one big super render. So one, mm-hmm. of, the, one of the crazy challenges on that movie was somebody put together a spreadsheet and realized there weren't enough hours left between this date and the day the movie was coming out to do all of the rendering that was necessary yeah. so we had to come up with some crazy creative solutions to uh, to to share that rendering out among different companies and, and to, to
0: pull it all together right man so it seems like it was a lot more work done into this film versus the lord of the rings
1: um different kinds of challenges. Yeah. I w- I would say, I mean, I think
0: the, the team
1: was probably bigger than the teams that I'd work with on the, on the Lord of the Rings, but um,
0: yeah, it's, it's really kind of hard to compare. Uh, I wanted to point out too, I don't mean to cut you off. You have some really good friends, man. <laughs> yeah, I do. You have some really good friends. Shout out to them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's another thing that, you know, um, that your listeners could take away from this is that every relationship in your life is, is something that's worth nurturing. You know, you, you never know when somebody that you've known for years or somebody that you've just met might change the course of your life forever. So it's worth, you know, it's worth treating everybody that you meet with, with respect and dignity and and seeing how you can, you know, build a
0: relationship to help each other out indeed indeed i did in my career Nah, that's amazing and in, in this movie it won a couple of uh, main movie awards right or so or um, nominated or so i know lord of the rings
1: did correct lord of the Rings, yeah lord of the rings won the visual effects oscar three three years in a row that's amazing um, yeah the matrix sequels got a bit it got snubbed a little bit i think okay. i think they deserved to get nominated but yeah
0: uh, yeah Right, right, right. Man, so after the matrix, you just kept going. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I somebody once asked
1: me what my um what my metaphor for the way that I live my life is. Okay. And and, and I said that I think of myself like a short-sighted trapeze artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, I'm on this swing and I, I can't actually see the next swing, but when I've got mm-hmm. good speed on the swing and I kind of feel it slowing down, I just let go, trusting that I'm going to find the next
0: swing to grab hold of. Right on. When was it that came in time, man, where you knew and you felt that this mission is to now make society more inclusive, fair, and sustainable?
1: Yeah. So that would, would have been around 2007, 2008. Um, Early. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't put it in those words yet at that point, but but around that time I binge watched a bunch of documentary series and and that kind of gave me this this eye-opening realization about how much luck has played a part in you know me getting to be who I am and where I am in my life, but but that, that applies to all of human civilization and, and you know, it, it would have been possible for for human civilization to have never developed beyond Stone Age if we hadn't have found plants and animals that we could cultivate and eat. Because when you start agriculture, you start farming, then you don't need to spend all of your day hunting and gathering, then you can start developing science and philosophy and art. Mm. And, you know, you look at all of human progress since then, and that's you know, that's the reason that we accelerate is that we're able to build on these past successes and that none of us have to spend you know 20 hours a day digging roots out of the soil to be able to get the calories that we need to survive um and when i when i started thinking about that i realized how much all of us are interconnected and how much my well-being is dependent on the well-being of everybody else and how you know i not only do I need the the, the earth to be healthy and, and sustained, but I also need the rest of the people on the planet to be healthy and sustained. And I think you know this pandemic has been a great reminder of that to people, that we are only as healthy as a society. We're only as healthy as the 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 weakest and most unhealthy individuals, because this pandemic spreads. <laughs> From it can spread from people who are poor and don't have health insurance to people who are rich and do have health insurance. Yeah. So you know, it suddenly mean it suddenly reminds those rich people that they would actually be better off if the poor people had health insurance and and access to 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 safe, you know, good healthcare and and all these sort of things. So that was that was kind of the, um, yeah, the initial spark of it. I I came up with this little catchphrase that. Competition got us down from the
0: trees, but only cooperation can take us to the stars. Okay, I love that. Absolutely, man. Thank you for sharing, very good information. Man, so it's looked like you came so, you know, so far along in your journey, man. And it just seems like you had friends there, but you also just took the time to take the alley and make that slam dunk. So I think that's amazing, man. But you have a lot of creativity that come in play Um, Can you tell us, man, why is this important when it comes to not only just creating a film, but really doing your best work?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I think for me, the creativity is what gives me joy in my work um, and sort of pushing myself to do things that I haven't done before um is you know that that's what gives me the most satisfaction um but i think you know again i i, I don't want to 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 try and um hog all of this glory myself i think you know you've you've raised a number of times how valuable the my friends are and, and my collaborators as well i think one of the things that that i love most about about creating things is working together with a team that you know Um, I like to say that the, the whole is only greater than the sum of its parts if those parts are different from each other. So you need to surround yourself with people who are different from you that can bring different perspectives and fresh ideas to the table and can allow you to see the world in a different way. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a, a moment here to to give a shout out to my girlfriend Tuba because, okay,
0: you
1: know, <laughs> um, we've, we just celebrated our 11th anniversary. Uh, congratulations,
0: congratulations! You.
1: And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am in in my life and career without her new perspective that she brought to 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 bear that she introduced me to different ways of of looking at the world and different different things to value, different things that are priorities for her that have allowed me to to evaluate my priorities and, and see the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think, you know, Shout surrounding, out to yourself with, surrounding yourself with other people that are different from you mm-hmm. and constantly challenging your sort of preconceptions and biases is, is, um, is really
0: important too. Indeed, indeed, man. I love that, man, because, you know, you are who you who you surround yourself with, right? You know, you are the sum of the five people, you know, and I love that, man. Um, honestly, I think it's uh it's great, you know, especially as long as we come along this journey because persistence comes in play, you know, and man, you've worked on films Lord of the Rings, The Matrix, X-Men, you know, a number of films, man. It's a two-part question here. What are the top three films? That you really, really love working on. You enjoy the process, the people. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you enjoyed a lot, you know, with the people, but, um, and just the success of seeing it just blow up the way it did or so like that or a grow. And then why wasn't that you worked on the underworld, man? Like I could see you probably, like, you know, being a part of that or maybe you, you knew some people that worked. Well. Like, so that's a two part question I wanted to ask mm-hmm. real quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to uh, it's hard to narrow it down to three top ones. Obviously the, you know, like the Lord of the Rings and the, and the Matrix revolutions, they're, they're right up there. Um, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want any of the the groups of people that I've worked with on subsequent films to feel like I devalue that, that uh, experience of working with them. So, you know, I mean, I, I had a, I had a great, a great team that I worked with in London at MPC um, across a number of films like Troy and Kingdom of Heaven and, and Prince Caspian. Um, I, I worked with great teams of people in in Vancouver at Method Studios and at, at Double Negative as well. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's funny after after working on Lord of the Rings, you stop. Kind of caring so much about whether a film is successful or not, um, and what to me what was more valuable was that um, you know that 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 sort of the team energy um, and and the process and you know um, some some directors really allow you into the creative process and are and are open to to your sort of creative input like this, for instance on the Matrix Revolutions I really found the the Wachowski siblings to be, you know, they're quite collaborative and they're, you know, quite open to to people pitching ideas to them. Um, whereas some some directors that I've worked with, I'm not going to mention any names, uh, are, you know, very sort of um, authoritarian in their approach and and they do not want you to veer at all or stray at all from their vision. Um, so yeah, I definitely enjoy being being engaged in that, that creative process. Um, as for the underworld films, I do know people that worked on those. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of what happens when you, when you work in films in the, in the visual effects, um, industry is that, you know, a film will be, um, worked on in a particular city. So, for so that the the directors and um, producers don't have to bounce around between a lot of different places, they'll try and put as much of the visual effects work into studios that are in the same city, and they can then um, capitalize on any tax credits or incentives that are available in that city. So, you'll find that, you know, like when I was working on the, the Matrix Revolutions, for instance, there were like three or four different studios in the Bay Area that were all working on it. Uh, when I was working on, you know, Kingdom of Heaven and Prince Caspian, there were a bunch of studios in London that were all working on it. Similarly, when I was in Vancouver. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't happen to cross paths with, with the Underworld films. But
0: um, Is there one film that you really, really wanted to work you know, with the work, uh, work on, but it just ain't not happen the way you expected it to happen? Um, not, nothing that comes to mind. No. Okay. Um, so what's the main focus for Oli, um, for Ali in this, in this, um, part of his life right now, man. And, you know, especially during this pandemic and everything of that nature, what, what are you really, really focusing on? Yeah. So what I'm really
1: focusing on is, is kind of, it's kind of two things. Um it is um making making content that is accessible, that is that promotes diversity and inclusion, fairness and sustainability, that helps people break down the sort of um their their unconscious bias, that, that sort of breaks down their the individualism and tribalism that I feel like is you know, causing this this massive political polarization that we have at the moment. Um, so anything that I can do to to help to help with that. So I'm working with this um, with this Lost Horizon Festival, um, and over the um, over the fourth of July long weekend, we hosted this with this radically inclusive, massive virtual reality music and arts festival where we had, <sighs> yeah. So we had like. 10,000 people show up between VR yeah. on their PCs and on their smartphones, and then we had yeah. like 4.3 million people streaming it on Facebook, and YouTube, and Twitch. Um, and we had um, DJs like Carl Cox, Fatboy Slim, Seth Troxlip, Pete Tong like a bunch of my musical heroes were, were yeah. DJing. We had um, bands like Alabama Three and the uh, Badcore core horns and um, like just, just so many. I think we had more than 75, maybe closer to a hundred acts over two days, four stages, 24 hours of just absolute insanity where anybody from anywhere in the world could tune in. They could dress up their avatar to look however they wanted to, and just have this kind of massive communal social experience where we had this theme of, um, social and racial justice and environmental, um, action. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's one of the big things that I'm spending a lot of my energy on at the moment. I
0: love that, man. I remember us messaging and you told me you had, you had that coming up or so like that. And I'm glad it turned out the way you, you planned on, you know, really doing that, man. Why do you feel like someone like yourself? Cause you're standing up and you want to do what's right. Mm -hmm. you know, or so like that. And you do support the movement of equal justice, that it shouldn't be, you know, I love that, because I I know I noticed as well that you have on your profile picture on Facebook, you have Black Lives Matter. And just to share with us, you know, just your whole, because I don't want to talk too much, but to share us about this festival, the impact it left on people from different walks of life, along with just your part of really, really seeing should be just, you know, of stepping up of the social injustice and diversity and trying to make things work and meet on your end and stepping up and being supportive the most way you possibly can be along with friends that may support this movement as well.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I look at I look at our human society, right? And the, the reason that we have a society is so that we can do that thing that I was talking about before where you know, where we don't all need to spend our days feeding ourselves. We can we can combine our our energies. And so some people take care of feeding us, some people take care of building houses, and some people take care of building roads, and some people take care of building technology. We all we all benefit greatly from agreeing to work together under the conditions of of, of society. But for thousands of years, that's been really unequally distributed. Obviously, with the the legacy of slavery and all of the, the systems of oppression that have followed on from that, that has meant that not everybody has gotten to fairly share from the benefits of this sort of giant social contract, even though everybody no matter how rich or poor they are, is expected to work just as hard. And I just, it, to me, it's grossly unfair that everybody should work just as hard, but only some people should get the rewards for it. And so that's really, that's really what it boils down to is that I believe everybody should be given the same access to, to benefit from, the, from the, um, the privileges of being part of society, that everybody, no matter how um, you know, no matter what their education is, um, should be rewarded for working hard. And, um, and I think that, you know, the system is horribly broken at the moment. It, 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 it really offends me that, you know, maybe there's a kid born in Bangladesh this morning who, um, well, let's say 20 years ago, there was a kid born in Bangladesh who, if they'd had the proper education, today, they would be inventing a vaccine for COVID-19. But because they didn't have access to education, that person's brain never got to contribute to the full extent that it could. And all of humanity suffers as a result. So I happen to be, as a straight white man, somebody who has benefited above average from from society. And so I want to help level the playing field and give people who haven't had those same advantages as me the same, the the opportunity to benefit. That's kind of what it comes down to. I just, you know, uh, I I sort of see myself as a fairness Nazi. I believe that fairness is the most important thing that human civilization should be striving
0: to achieve. I love that, man. I love that. And thank you. Thank you for sharing, man. Oli, I wanted to (laughs) Ali, <laughs> my apologies again. No I wanted to I wanted to give you um some space, man, and some room. I know you just shared a lot, but I want you to share something that's really been on your mind. It can be what you just said or something else that's gonna really help our young people push forward, man, despite mm-hmm. this pandemic and anything else they may be facing in life. So I want to give you some time and moment, man, and some room to just share um what you haven't on an interview before and what you haven't just with anybody in just a long time. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you put me on the
1: spot here. eh? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I I mean, I've I've
0: covered a lot of the things that I think are are important, but um, what about some things you want to see differently in the film industry when it comes mm -hmm. to exactly what you just, you know, certain things you just said. So
1: yeah, so that that's a great that's a great um, sort of trigger. There's obviously over the last few years there have been you know there's been attention a like for the Oscars so white hashtag and the Me Too movement. You know we've we're we're starting to see uh, a reckoning. We're starting to see people like myself in in these positions of privilege recognizing our privilege and, and wanting to do something about it. And we're seeing a, a sort of a change in society where people are, you know, are understanding that it doesn't have to be the way that it has been for these last hundred years. You know, I've, I'm, I'm really, really excited and inspired by the the still ongoing um, Black Lives Matter protests in, in the, the U.S. at the moment. I think that this COVID-19 pandemic has the potential to be a, an inflection point where humanity goes from being selfish and individualistic to being more collectively minded and more fair and more just. And I, I, I like to, to put the analogy that, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic is, it's like the, the train has gone completely off the rails. And if we need to lift the train back onto the rails, why put it back onto the rails that it was already on when we could put it on a new set of rails that are going in a better direction for everybody, <laughs> a direction that protects the planet, a direction that gives fair and 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 good opportunities to, to every child, no matter what yeah, their you know, racial, social, or economic background is, um, a, a, a world in which we don't have billionaires hogging all of the resources to themselves and 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 leaving people poor but where all of us can can benefit together and and participate equally in in society
0: indeed indeed man i love that man oh man such a powerful moment i thank you for sharing it's the first time on this show somebody like you say you know uh as a caucasian individual to really really share that man and um a lot of people will support and a lot of people won't that's all good you know, because it's about bringing people together, and everybody, everybody, just not on the same mission, man. Everybody just don't see equal. But I love that you're really, really sparkling, and I know that it's deep, deep, sincerely in your heart to really see change come about and make change come about. So, man, big shout out to you, Ali, honest man, for for just the work that you're putting in, the time that you're putting in, the, the gratitude, man, and um, all the sacrifices you've made. And adjustments you've made into your life that help you become who you are. Um, I think it's it's fascinating, man. Honestly, um, and I just want us all to sort of take a moment, man. Just for the time that we just is in right now. Um, not even just COVID nineteen, but of the passing of uh, George George Floyd. Uh, you know, a few a few other African American men who's been shot down due to police brutality and. Um, you know, if we could just take take a moment. All right, y'all. Man. Powerful. Well, that was, uh, yeah, I felt that. Indeed, indeed, my man, my man. I know we got a few minutes left. Um, we have covered a lot. So, what are you looking to accomplish, man, before the new year? What is what is another another big big project you're working on at this moment? Uh,
1: so, so another thing that I'm working on is a, it's an interactive virtual reality film series called okay. Downloaded. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of like Black Mirror, but instead of being sort of depressing and uh, dystopian, it's uh, it's designed to to sort of extrapolate trends in in society and technology and look at ways that we could, you know, put the train back on the right path. Yeah. Uh, what what could we as individuals do? What can we as a society do? Um, so it's these kind of stories that. Are you know science fiction stories the technological twist, but you know look at um, look at the the destructive power of social media when it's when it's badly used. Um, you know we've we've all become kind of addicted to the notifications on our phones and the and the sort of fake um, relationships that we have through these devices that sort of in a way prevent us. Or diminish our real-world human connections. So you know, um, I want to tell stories like that where where it helps people to to see these um, these technologies not not as evil, not as um, you know, not as dystopian, but as imperfect, and to look at them in ways that we could improve them. Because I think. I think social networking has the potential to be an incredibly powerful and, and positive force for good in society. But at the moment it's being too much corrupted by greed and selfishness and, you know, tribalism. So um, yeah, I want to, I want to tell stories to, to help people um, sort of figure out how they could actually, what they could do to, to, to sway that. Um, so Downloaded started as just a little, um, like a, an eight minute VR experience where you mm-hmm. play one of the characters. Um, but I want to turn it into a, a 10 episode of 30 minute long episodes. Uh, each one being, it's kind of like a, an immersive theater escape room game experience. But in VR and, and with you as one of the characters of the story. That's dope.
0: Me? Well, whoever. I was like, oh, wow, man, thank you. (laughs) uh,
1: The the point of it is to be radically inclusive. So you put on the VR headset and, and you, whoever you are, with your history, your backstory, you become the character. You become the main character
0: of the story. And what's the difference with that, man? Like, cause I remember I had um, a, a good friend on on the show as well who's into music, and I asked him a difference of this instrument versus this instrument. So, what's the what's what, what do you feel more attracted to, or what's the difference between the virtual versus the being actually there on film and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which one so, you feel most connected to?
1: I definitely feel most connected to virtual reality. Oh. I think at the moment, we're still a long way from virtual reality proving its potential. Um, most of all, because not many people have access to it yet. Yeah. you know, It's still an in in expensive piece of technology. The, the content is expensive even once you bought the technology. Um, so I think we need to really democratize it. But because virtual reality gives you the possibility of seeing the world through somebody else's eyes, and experiencing their, you know, their reality. Um, or it gives you the opportunity to actually take part in the story. So it's not just, you know, when you watch a film that has a good message, you come away, you know, and think about the message. But when you <laughs> when you do a VR film that has a message, you, you're actually f- like participating in it physically. You, you know, you might have to actually pull the, the plug or flip the switch or, and, and that, that has real consequences in the story. And so the significance of that message resonates with you a lot deeper because you've
0: actually taken part in it. And what was that one message that you received, man, maybe from a friend, a family member, a supporter, a mentor, and it really hit, hit you deeply, man, and it stuck with you for life?
1: You know, what I'm, what I'm going to say is um, being told by somebody that they love me is that's one of the most powerful things out there. Um, and every time that happens, it still has meaning to me. And, and I make it a part of my sort of mission to never let anybody that I love not hear that from me. You know, I think I, I've, I've lost a friend recently. Um, Sorry to hear my condolences. Eyes. Thank you. And and he was one of the most loved people that I've ever met in my life. And we all, all of his friends came together and, and, and you know, we got to, to share an amazing bond of love after his passing. But we were all reminded that, you know, maybe you can't help but think if we told him that we loved him, a week earlier, maybe he wouldn't have taken his life. So that's, yeah, to me, that's one of the most powerful things that anybody can tell anybody else. And it's something that I encourage everybody to to take the opportunity to remind people that they
0: love them. Indeed. Much love, man. And sending my condolences and love that, you know, your friend, he's, he's watching over you, man. He's smiling over you now and then he rooting for you every step of the way to keep going forward, to keep creating. Keep standing up for what's right, man, and, you know, being the best version you possibly can be, man. Honestly, we enjoyed you today, man. My last question for the day is, when it's all said and done, what message do you look to leave for the world, and what do you mostly want to be remembered for?
1: Yeah, the the message that I want to leave is that everybody is equally deserving of respect. Everybody is equally deserving of opportunity and education and love and housing and health and you know that the, the <laughs> nobody, there is no person that you know I'm I'm not worth more than. Anybody else? Elon Musk isn't worth more than anybody else. The the true value of a of a human being is not measured in in dollars or in followers or in you know any of these sort of artificial um, metrics that we have created. The the true value of a human being is in the connections and the and the the love and the the, the contribution to this giant social experiment and. Um, yeah, I don't want to be remembered as being some kind of elevated figure in that. I just want to be remembered as being somebody who,
0: who sort of recognized that. Oh, man. Well said. Before we get out of here, I wanted to take some time to give some gratitude to, to my guy, man, Mr. Ali Ranking, man, for just being a part of this show, being a part of, you know, just really sharing a deep, deep message with you guys today for sharing his story from where it all started to what led to not only his success but we're led to really him discovering himself, you know, once going through the discovery moment and realizing who he became to really help others. No matter what you look like, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, he see the human race and this is what he's looking to bring upon. So, guys, man, this guy is amazing. He is behind the films that you all love, that you all enjoy, that you all see. So remember that, you know, we're, we're always working, man. And like he said, it's not about... Um, it's all about growing, but at the same time, giving back as well. The secret to living is giving. So the more we do, the more we'll be able to receive, take in, implement into your life. So people, people, please, please follow and support my guy, Mission. Um, honestly, got some big projects coming along. He just said he got downloaded coming. Uh, Something's going to be major. Um, he's looking forward to He's excited about it. I'm excited about it. So you should be too. Um, and remember, guys, you know, sometimes we may feel like, oh, man, um, I'm not I don't think I got what it takes to get in this space or I may not know. You. I mean, look, look what happened in Ali's journey. He had taken the steps already. It ain't like he didn't take the steps. He took the steps. But the thing is, when people see much more in you, then that's when God just makes it work for you. The universe always delivers, and that's something we gotta take time and to really, really understand and, and to learn into life. So that's my gratitude, man. I'm giving my guy his flowers while he's here, and um, you know, as he do to others. So I think it's only right, man. And if you could just share your social media with them and um, where they can go ahead and listen to download it or tap into that when that's going to be ready as well, and we'll get right out of here, Ali.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Terrell. Um, yeah, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn, um, Ollie Rankin, but, uh, I also encourage you to join from the trees to the stars, which is a community on Facebook um, where we're trying to figure out how to solve all of these crazy problems of, uh, humanity right now. Yes. Yes, man.
0: Powerful, powerful, powerful from the trees to the stars. Yes, indeed. Guys, there you have it. If you're listening right now, I just want you to take some time, to really, really subscribe to the Inspire Before We Expire. Maybe a friend refers you. Um, also, leave us a review. It helps us expand the message on many, many more. Um, and, and really being able to uh, not just expand the message, guys, but to change lives, you know, to make a make a tremendous impact, one life at a time. I'm so inspired by Mr. Rinkin's story, man, and his mission, Um And I'm I'm sure you all as well. And I just hope this message was fully received. So do not just only subscribe and leave a review for us, but I want you to follow Ali's journey. Like he said, LinkedIn, Facebook, subscribe to his Facebook community and just follow his journey throughout. And if any segment through this message resonated with you and it was fully received, please send him a message and share it with him or so like that when you get a moment in time. So we're blessed, we're thankful, graceful, and graceful to be present here. That's our time. This is the Inspire Before We Expire. That's my man, man, the creative, the creative, the creative, pioneer, creative, visual reality, pioneer of our time, film director, but a heart self-centered man, leading by example with love, Compassion. Mr. Ollie Rankin. And we're out. My man.